0: Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So welcome if you're watching from, from YouTube or Facebook, it's good to have you with us. We're having a great driving service this morning. Now this morning I'm going to start out with a series for three weeks. And I'm, to be honest, I'm just going to be absolutely transparent. Friday, I was sitting, it's like, Lord, what do you want to do? Because <laughs> I've been praying for two weeks. And, I, and God started, I actually read an article that said, that said in this century, there's about, they, they listed about 25 things that will become or declared absolute this, for this century. And I started writing it, and as I read this, I thought, man, this is so amazing. They said, now I'm going to read a couple of those things, and, and you're going to, if you are forty plus then you're gonna say, yes, well that those things actually meant a lot to me when when it was their time. So a Walkman, who remember Walkman? I had two, I mean that was my best friend. A Walkman is like they declared absolute tapes you don't know about. My our children doesn't even know what it is. A handwritten letter has been declared absolute. Phone books <laughs> been declared absolute. Developing photos with film, gone. Dial-up internet. How many of you had dial-up? I mean, I I remember I was third-year, third-year university, almost going into my honours years. I had internet for the first time and that... that You're waiting for hours and hours for that thing to... I mean, dial-up internet. DVD stores. (laughs) Gone. Public pay phones. Gone. Physical maps. I remember me driving through Joburg with a physical map over everything. Not making an accident. That was a miracle by itself. Cell phones with buttons, gone. No. Declared absolute, gone. VCRs, fax machine, we still have VCR and a lot of tapes. <laughs> and then to make a, phone, a photo album, they've been declared absolute. We still have a wedding album, a photo wedding photo album. <laughs> and I realized our children would know nothing about it. I remember, I've got, I still have photo albums. But I say in the next five years, the following things will go absolute: paper. Think about it. No newspapers. Thank you, Steve. Pa- <laughs> CDs <laughs> gone in five years. I say no CDs, no DVDs. Personal boundaries because of personal boundaries because of um, of social media gone. I mean, it's it's already is happening. There's no social boundaries. Nothing. Then external hard drives. Five years. No more. Cloud Cloud will be the thing. Corded headphones. No more. Five years. Magazines. Landline telephones. Gone. And then the last one. Cash and ATMs. We'll see less of. Oh, that left my life Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Me too. People will not walk around with cash. Well, not a lot do. But as I was writing, reading this, and I realized, but Lord... Man, I remember when I was using my, my Walkman and I was I mean I loved my Walkman when I was younger. And and then a CD Walkman came out. It was amazing. And I thought, Lord, please let these things never go away. Because I I mean I can't live without these things. <laughs> now I run with a little five cent piece of MP3 player and with Bluetooth earphones and it's just incredible. But see, now if we look at all these things. We know that the world of technology is evolving. It's evolving. We can serve the internet on our TV. We can have on-demand movies and shows that we can watch. It's incredible. And I thought about this one thing, and and I titled my sermon series this. It says, some things are made to last. Some things are made to last. Because I thought, well, none of these things lasted. And I thought, this is it. This is what I want. I wanted my Walkman to last, but it didn't. But did you know that there is some things that are made to last? I remember when I used all these things, I hoped it never disappeared, but it did. But as things evolved in our lives, we moved with it. Even my mom is using emails and forwarding everything she gets. she's amazing with forward that forward button and then she found whatsapp oh my goodness I have to mute things sorry mum. still love you (laughs) now when it comes to God things don't change do you know that things do not change why? because the word says God is the same yesterday today and forever always the same always the same He's the same in our lives. And it's amazing um, that that God created everything in in this world. If I go and ride my bike in Yonkersuk or wherever, and I look at the mountains, I listen to the birds, I think that God created them and they will never change. Why? Because God's character and perfection shows in His His creation. A bird won't evolve because God created it perfectly. Perfectly. That's why I think evolution are absolute nonsense. Now, No matter what we face at this moment in our lives and the world, and yes, we're facing a pandemic, people are losing things, things. People say every day that I hear people say, hey, things will change forever. Things will never be the same again. Did you hear that? Now, maybe some of it are true. And I thought about it and I started reading a chapter. that I never thought I'm going to get a, a sermon series out of this. But 1 Corinthians 13. If you have your Bible here, open to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I've, everybody used this chapter in weddings and in everything. And and, uh, and yes, it's the love chapter. And I'm not going to speak about love. Me and the Hadidah is going to preach today It's awesome. Yeah. Although that's not a Hadidah, it's actually a Tarantal. Yeah. Oh. So, anyway, let's read 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 to 3. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, and you can follow. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And I'm going to go through with the New Living Translation. I'm going to jump around a bit. But let's go. It says the following, verse 1. It says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't have love or didn't love others, I would only be a noisy, noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possesses all knowledge and he and and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it and, and, and I could boast about it, but I didn't have love or I didn't love others, I would I would have gained nothing. So Paul says, the greatest, if I had the greatest wisdom on earth, the greatest wisdom on earth, I could understand everything. Had, if I had the gift of knowledge and the gift of prophecy and to see the future. If I gave away everything to the poor. But if I do it without love, it is all in vain. But then Paul comes to verse 4 and verse 10 and he shows us what love is. He gives the gifts of the Spirit. He gives love is... Love is kind. Love is this, and love is that, and we all use that. Verse four to ten in weddings, and we speak about love. And it's amazing what Paul said. Just the extra, he says he gives, um, he uses adjectives, word, to describe love because love is to do. It's not. It's not love is. Love is to do. He says love is patient. It do. Love is kind. It's something you do. It's all we do. But then he comes to verse eleven. And I love this. Verse 11, 12, and 13. This is where our series will come from. It says, When I was a child, I spoke as though and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But when I, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Knows you completely. Now Paul says when we are still here on earth, we see things as through a faded glass. Now some translation says you can see it but it looks like the glass is faded. So I can't really see it clearly. Then different tra- translation says but then if we see face to face that means when everything here that we know ends and God comes Jesus comes back and we will see him face to face. We will see Him face to face and everything will become clear. Everything. I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of questions that I want to ask my God. But all those questions will become clear whenever God comes again. But see, when we... But listen to how He illustrates this. He he speaks about a child. How we see things as a child. Now, now when we were children, all of us were, were children at one point, we actually had some things we valued. And if we look at those same things today, we would laugh at the value we had in those things, like my marbles. I had marbles that I played with. I had a top that I, I mean, we played all those things. I had a Walkman that I used that I valued very much. I mean, my sisters, I was the oldest of four, three sisters. If they did touching my Walkman, I mean, it would be war. <laughs> I had mixed tapes and I had all those things. You Remember those things? Wow. Made my own mixes. And I had very much value in those things, but today if I look at it, I thought, well, it doesn't really have value. So, so Paul comes and he says, if you look at a child, you see different value in different things. But if you look as a mature Christian, your value changes. He says, when we were children, different things were important to us. We love it now, but when we grow up, our measure of value changes. Our measure of value. How you measure things. How you value it. Now what Paul is saying is that when we are living here on earth, we will value things that have no value compared to the things that God will give us in eternity. We know that. We're living a short life. We're living for eternity. We don't live live only for today. Yes, sometimes you need to Trust God for today, but we know that we live. The day you receive Christ in your heart, suddenly eternity becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of who me and you are. Now, here we come to the verse that I actually want to, I, I laid the foundation. Verse 13, if, you, if you're reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says, Three things will last forever. Only three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these three is love. Only three things, forever. That he says, Paul says that no matter what spiritual gift you have, no matter what spiritual fruit you have, no matter what amazing things you have in this earth, although it's spiritual, only three of those things will last forever. Only three. Make sure that you focus on this three, but then there's one of the three, which is the greatest, which is love. And we'll come to that in three weeks' time. Now, especially in this time, especially in this time when we're facing a worldwide pandemic where people are actually losing family where people are losing things which is dear to them businesses they worked hard for things that they that they were dear to them they is gone it will never be the same again except these three things that will be the same until eternity until eternity so now more than ever i think We are realizing that everything we know, everything we and you know, can be gone instantly. I remind myself in February, I was still having an awesome year. I thought it's going to be an amazing year. And then suddenly in March, everything changed. Everything, the way we see life, the way we see things. And God, as I read this, I realized that, except the three things that God gave us, that it says that it will last into eternity. It will last into eternity. You know that uh, Ginifal, Tarantal, actually means new way. <laughs> it is. I actually sat this week, just, I'm going to get back to my sermon. I sat and, um, and, I, and I listened to, I looked at the calendar and I realized ok, ok, August is the eighth month of the year. Eight, Eight means new beginnings. Start over. Seven means complete. And in that moment god spoke to me and he said henny whatever you're facing is complete i'm beginning something new i believe august to be honest if we're doing prophetic things i believe that august is the change of things and we're already seeing it in the western cape i believe september will see a different month than we're seeing now just anyway so <laughs> let me focus on sermon. so so now more than ever we are realizing that things can be gone instantly. So what can we hold on to? What is important? What can we hold on to? If I think everybody's losing anything, my first question is, Lord, but how, what can I hold on to? Now in the next three weeks, we're going to look at faith, hope, and love. Three things that the Word says, it will be into eternity. It will be something that will last forever. Isn't that amazing? Now I'm going to start with faith today. I love speaking about faith. I really do. I come from a church. I grew up in a church. I was ordained in a church called Faith City. And, and our senior pastor drooled us on faith. Man, I mean, he, he said, listen, if I wake you up in the middle of the night, you have to give me three, three scriptures on faith. And I always hated. I mean, I can memorize. I know Hebrews eleven one, Romans 10, 17, I can I can shoot those scriptures and I loved it. So I want to speak about faith today, but I'm going to go a bit of a different route. and going to give us—we're going to speak about three things in three weeks, and on every every topic, I'm going to give you three points. So we are stuck to three. Now today I want to start with faith. It's a word we use a lot. It's a word we use to encourage people. It's—it's it's just one of those words we live daily, but do we? Do we live by faith daily? It's a good question. I mean, I need to ask myself that question every day. Are you making decisions by faith with a sound mind? Or do we just still mix a little bit of doubt into our faith? I have faith. Yeah, but Lord, we need to see what's going to happen. I mean, just think about the conversations you're in. I mean, I've been in a couple of us like, man, listen, yeah, we've got faith. God has this. Yeah, man, but I'm not sure what's going to happen in the next three months, I said, like, no, 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 but that's, that's faith with doubt. <laughs> I want faith. And I started listening to myself saying things like that. And it challenged me. It's like a story of a boy. He, his cat came into the house. I don't know how many of you have got cats. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm going to offend you now. But, <laughs> but his cat came into the house dirty. It, was, it looks like the cat rolled into the mud. And he thought, well, he's gonna have washed the cat. He told his mum, mum, I'm gonna wash the cat. And his mum says, well, good luck for that. Cats don't like water. And he said, no. He was. He had faith that he's gonna wash the cat. So he went to the shop, went to the shop owner and said, listen, sir, can I get some OMO, please? And the owner said, well, great. You are gonna do the laundry for your mum. He said, no, no. I'm gonna wash the cat. <laughs> and the owner said. No, no, I think that's, that's not the thing you wash a cat with. You need to go to the pet shop and get some. He said, no, no, I've got faith. I'm going to wash the cat. And Ernest said, well, okay, it's your cat. And he gave him the Omo. And two days after that, the boy came back. <laughs> and, and Ernest said, hey, how did it go with the cat? And he said, no, unfortunately, the cat died. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear. Was it the Omo? And the boy said, no, it was unfortunately the second spin cycle that killed the cat. <laughs> So, so so yeah sometimes our faith we need to check on our faith what we are faithful for you see faith is the first thing we learn, learn as Christians it's the first thing faith is a mustard seed remember that you can move mountains i always thought as a boy how can i move this mountain that would be amazing i mean but jesus was speaking about metaphors without faith we, we can't, we, we, it's impossible to please God without faith. We don't know if God truly exists. I mean, faith is one of those first things we need to truly know that God exists, it's third things we learn. Now, I want to make three points. And number one, if you're making notes, if you remember very well, number one, my, my point is, faith give, gives us possibility in our reality. So it's a big sentence. Faith gives us possibility. In our reality What is your reality right now? What are you facing right now? That's our reality. But faith gives us possibility in the reality. I want you to turn to Matthew 8. Now Jesus spoke about faith a lot. He spoke about faith a lot, and I love Jesus speaking about faith because he challenges my heart every time I read. Now now here's a story about a Roman officer, or called a centurion, that comes to Jesus. And it's amazing. I'm going to read from a New Living Translation, Matthew 8, verse 5 to 13. And you can follow with me. It says the following, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer or a centurion came and pleaded with him. Now, just stop there. The Romans were ruling the Jews. I want us to remember that the Romans were ruling the Jews. Whatever the Romans said, the Jews had to do because they were ruling over them. So the Roman centurion came to Jesus and he spoke to him. He said, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Then Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy, um, worthy to have you come to, into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm, a, I'm under authority um, Sorry, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go and come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do this. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Now, that word amazed in different translation in the the New King James and the Amplified and all the other translations. It says, and Jesus marveled. He marveled. Remember that. He marveled, turning to those who were with him or following him. He said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Nothing. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. That's in heaven one day. But many Israelites, those those from whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into utter darkness, into hell. Where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to a Roman officer, "Go back home, because you believed or sorry, what you, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Great story. I love that. There's so much in this, so much detail that, that Jesus used, or that, that uh, the, the writer of Matthew used in this thing. And it shows us the true power of faith. It really do. You see, this happened when Jesus came back into Capernaum. Let me give you some backdrop on it. It was Capernaum where Jesus did his first miracle on an individual. His first miracle. It was not his first miracle. It was his first miracle where he healed an individual. It was in John 4 where we read about a nobleman who came to Jesus and said, Please, my son is sick. It's in John 4, verse 47 to 50. I'm just going to read it. You can listen. The the nobleman came to Jesus. He said, "When, when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea and Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum, this is the nobleman, to heal his son, who was about to die. So his son was almost dying, literally. He was on his deathbed. Then Jesus asked him, will you never believe in me unless you see the miraculous signs and wonders? Then the official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back, go back home, your son will live. Just that. Now in this great miracle, this was a great miracle and because it happened to the nobleman. This was the most, most important guy in, the, in Capernaum, one of the noblemen. He probably was pretty big, big news. When something happened to the president or to the senator or the, the most important guy in town, everybody knows about it. I don't know about you, when, but reality struck, when reality struck and we face a crisis, we sometimes struggle to see the possibility of God in it. I don't know about you. I mean, sometimes I face a crisis in that moment. I catch myself that the third, second, fourth, fifth thing I think about is to pray. <laughs> And maybe you, like if any, that must be the first thing you need to pray, you're the pastor. But I'm, the, I'm just honest. Because when your emotions flood in, you realize that, oh, I need to do something, I need to do this. And I, re- I forget about the possibility that God gives in that struggle, in that moment. Now see, we all face tough moments and sometimes we feel numb in that moment and we're not able to do anything. We're not able to do anything. And it's so important. We want to do before we pray. <laughs> I catch myself a lot. But this is just what Jesus illustrated here. Listen to this. See, the man wanted Jesus to come and do. This man, can't you come to my house now and just heal my boy? I mean, I'm a part, I've been in ministry for 20 years and I can't tell you how many people called me and said, you need to come immediately and pray. I said, okay, but we've got two Connect group leaders that can come and pray, and they are amazing. No, 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 you need to come. You, the pastor. And I thought, okay, but I've got the same authority as no, like, no, you need. <laughs> and it's a different perspective that we have as church that the holy man needs to come. And this is what the nobleman had with Jesus Jesus, you, the prophet, you're the Messiah, you need to come. And Jesus said, why are you not still believing in his reality through faith? There was a possibility. Now let's go back to the centurion. You have that. The miracle with the centurion happened about six months after this. Six months. Now, the chances are very, very, very good that the centurion heard about the testimony of the nobleman's son. Because it's in Capernaum. And the centurion knew everything. He was, he was ruling. He was the guy, the centurion had, had a lot of authority. And he probably heard this miracle. Now, this was not the only miracle that Jesus did in Capernaum. He he casted out a demon possessed. Oh, he casted out a demon in the synagogue from all places. He casted out a demon in the synagogue. And he healed a multitude of people, including Peter's mother. He healed all of them. So there was a lot of testimonies and good news of Jesus. And testimonies about Jesus in Capernaum was a hot topic. It was a hot topic. It was something people spoke about. Now I believe the centurion was so stirred by this testimonies, especially the nobleman's testimony, that his faith started to become bigger than his reality. Think about it. You hear a testimony of Jesus only spoke and the son got healed. He wasn't even there. His, his reality became smaller than his faith. And that's what happens when our faith gets stirred. Our faith gets bigger and our reality gets smaller. It doesn't change, doesn't take away our reality. It just means that our reality becomes smaller in comparison to our faith. Now this is the one of the secrets in the story. We need to grow our faith that it becomes bigger than our reality when we face a challenge. How much of us, to be honest, I mean, I I had moments in my time when corona or COVID became bigger than my faith. I really felt like that. I felt, Father, yo, man, every time I hear more stories and this people are in hospital and that thing. And I realize, I catch myself that the reality of COVID are bigger than the reality of my faith. See, we need to grow our faith that it becomes bigger than the reality we faith face in that challenge. Now, Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when we hear and hear and hear, listen to testimonies, listen to the Word, speak to it, read our Bible, pray, worship, our faith needs to grow so that it's bigger than the reality of those things we face. That's what our faith are supposed to do. It doesn't change the reality, but it makes it smaller in comparison to our faith that we have. See, the more we hear the Word, the more we hear great testimonies, the more we experience miracles, the more we worship together, the smaller, become, the smaller the reality gets and the bigger our faith gets. See, we cannot afford to listen to bad news. We need to listen to good news because we want our faith to rule over our reality. We need that. And it's not that easy every, every day. It's not that easy when you don't have money to go and buy food, but you need to eat. Now we have faith, but the reality is so tough. But see, the more testimonies I hear, I know, I, I love Bethel. Bethel is a church in America, and um, Bill Johnson leads it, and, and the, you know the Bethel Music as well. Now They've got part of their website, I think it's a, it's a, it's a church website that no, not everybody has access to, but they've got testimonies on there. If you struggle with cancer, there's testimonies of people who got healed with cancer. And they encourage you to go and look at the testimonies, and the more than you look at the testimonies, the bigger your faith gets and the smaller the reality gets Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony that means that the blood of the Lamb are compared to the power of our testimony why? because it grows our faith it grows our faith now listen point number two point number two is one of the essential elements of great faith is humility humility Listen to it. One of the essential elements of great faith is humility. Verse 8 of the story of the centurion says, the centurion says to Jesus, he said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Firstly, he calls him Lord. He's a centurion. The Jews need to answer to the Romans. And here he comes and said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. See, there's true humility in this. So it's amazing coming from a man with power and authority. See, a centurion had a hundred soldiers under him. A hundred soldiers who would kill if if he gives the decree. That's how much authority he had. See, we can see that he recognized Jesus as a higher authority than the Roman government in that moment. Do you realize that? When he called him Lord, he said, Jesus, you've got more authority than my government. You can only say the word, and I know that, that my servant will be healed. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. Now when Jesus heard this, he said, the scripture said, he marveled. He marveled about it. Mar—I mean, it's Marvel. Now Jesus only used the word marvel. The scripture actually used the word marveled only twice in the whole Bible in the whole Bible where Jesus marveled at something the first was when he saw the faith of the centurion the second was was we spoke about the unbelief of the Jews he marveled about the unbelief only two things now a faith that made Jesus the author and finisher of our faith made Jesus marvel about something that's a faith worth looking at don't you think that's a faith worth looking at Now, I believe that only one word from Jesus would heal. Uh, Sorry, he believed that only one word from Jesus would heal his servant. See, Jesus didn't need to come to his house, but just say the word. His faith was in Jesus' word. And we spoke about, we had a sermon series called Speak. Remember that? How powerful our words are. Isn't that amazing? How powerful the word. Now, Jesus' words had so much power that he believed in that word to heal Listen, you're welcome to move into the shade or get into your cars. Don't worry about me. So you found the shade. Now, listen to this quickly. If, if the Roman centurion was a Roman, thought that it was so powerful that the Word of Jesus can change things like that. Just think how much the Word of God that we have with miracle upon miracle upon testimony upon testimony and the Holy Spirit we have. How much power should that have in our lives? If he can believe and have faith like that with just one testimony of a man whose son got healed. If he had so much faith just because of that, how much faith should we have as Christians? See, it really convicted me when I realized that. But I've got the Word and I've got the Holy Spirit. How much more should my faith be on a daily basis than him? who was not even a believer. I believed he became a believer after this. (laughs) See, if we simply just believe in God's word for our lives, we will have much greater faith than someone who usually requires proof. Remember Gideon? Lord, just give me proof and I'll believe. We have a Gideon moment. Like just if this little... Fleece became wet and everything dry, and then I'll believe. And, and the next day, if the ground are wet and the fleece are dry, and I'll believe. And he wanted proof. Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples, after Jesus was crucified, he wasn't there the first time Jesus came and visited the disciples after he was resurrected. And he said, I won't believe until I have proof. Thomas, this is a man who journeyed with Jesus for three years. And he said, I want proof. Before I put my finger in the holes in his hand and put my hand in his hip, I would, then I will believe. Now so many of, us, many of us have walked a long journey with God. But we still get into situations where we want proof before we choose faith. I'm the first one to put my hand up. Lord, just show me proof. And if you do this, I'll, I'll move. And that's why the centurion's faith was so marveled at. Because he didn't want proof. He had a testimony. He, didn't, he wasn't a Jew. And he believed that Jesus is the Messiah. And he said, just give me a word, Jesus. Just give me a word. I've got faith that you will heal my servant. I think that as we're going through this pandemic, that God is. It's challenging. Not challenging, but our faith is being challenged in so many degrees in our lives. Our faith is being challenged in how we raise our children, how we make decisions, how we use our money, how we do things. But our faith needs to be a greater reality than reality we face in this life. How? Get the Word in our lives. Let's worship together. Let's stir ourselves with passionate testimonies of God's goodness. Number three... And the last one I finish with this. Faith is what sticks to us when we encounter the faithfulness of God. Faith is the thing that sticks to us when we encounter God. Now, I hope all of you watch The Chosen. How many of you watch The Chosen? Man, if you haven't watched it, please go and watch it. It's going to change your life. It gave me such a great. Um, perspective on Jesus and disciples. and But there's a moment, one of my favorite moments in The Chosen, I think it's the fifth or the fourth or the fifth episode. There's only six. I can't remember. Six, yeah. Eight, eight. there's eight. So I think it was six or seven. Where Jesus met Nicodemus on the roof at night. You remember, Nicodemus was one of the saddest, one of the Pharisees. He was the third richest Jew in Jerusalem. He was a very, very well-known and man of authority in the law the Jewish law. And something about Jesus struck him. He was so curious that he came at night to see Jesus on the roof. And in that moment, I think Jesus pierced his heart with what he said, and he became saved. Now, he was a man of law, not of grace, but he saw grace in that night. And the true meaning he never knew the true meaning of relationship versus grace. He always uh, versus law. He always knew the law, but he saw relationship in Jesus' eyes. Now, Nicodemus had such a significant encounter with Jesus in that moment. You can go and read in John 7. Such a significant encounter with Jesus all night that he changed something inside of him. Totally changed something inside of him. And the Bible is not clear what happened to him after he met Jesus that night. But there was only two times when you read about Nicodemus. The first one was in John 7, when he was part of the of the interrogation squad of Pharisees before they crucified Jesus. He was standing there and they were were interrogating Jesus and there was one verse and I think John 7, 50, 51, 52 where he stood and he said but doesn't it require for a man to be judged first and hear his story before we can crucify him? He tried to defend Jesus in that moment. The second time we read about Nicodemus was he was the first man with Joseph of, of Armatea who took Jesus' body and, and wrapped it. And he, the, the Bible actually said he brought myrrh and oils that was worth thousands of dollars to, to um, bundle, what do you call them? Balm- Balm his body and treat his body. Think about the boldness to do that. You're part of the Pharisees. You're part of the Sadducees, and you are one of the respected lawmen. We just crucified Jesus because he's a he's a well a false Messiah. And after they did that, he goes and takes the body, buys a tomb, and get Jesus to rest it. Something inside of Nicodemus changed when he encountered Jesus. See, he changed Nicodemus to such a deep way that he he showed a brave thing to do. You see, seeking and encountering God does something to us. It just does something. When we worship, when we sit in our devotion, when we read, sometimes you don't feel anything, but something happens in us. And it sticks to us. Now let me give you an illustration. When I hug someone, Salome, will you just check the... Oh, you're fine. When we hug someone, someone that's got too much cologne or perfume on. How many of you had that? (laughs) They just had too much. When you go away, you smell. I mean, I've hugged people, and two, three days afterwards, I would still smell them on me. I would still smell them on me. (laughs) But when we spend time with God in prayer and in the Word and in worship the result is increased faith. The faith sticks to us like not a bad cologne, probably a good cologne or a good perfume. When we walk out of prayer and out of worship or out of church, faith sticks to us like a good perfume. It's supposed to. Now when we encounter the Father, we discover who He is and what He is like. It changes our lives. I don't know about you, but the first time I encountered God, it changed my life to such a degree that it stuck to me. That's then that we discover through experience that others only are looking through theology with. Sometimes when when we come out of prayer and we experience God tangibly, it sticks to us to such a degree in that experience where others only have it through a theology we are called to experience God not mystic theology but experience Him with the theology as well see the biggest mistake we can make is to try and grow our faith through work the more I do the better I, my faith gets the more I do the better my faith gets oh I need to stir my faith let's read a new devotional Let's do this. Let's, let's go to two prayer meetings instead of one. So it's not about what we do. Remember the nobleman? He wanted Jesus to do. What did the, the centurion do? He said, just say the word. I just, I, I, I'm just, it's enough for me just being with you. Because I know when I'm with you, you can just say the word and I know a miracle will happen. I want to close with this. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible. Now, our faith in Jesus is what pleases God. Do you know that? Our faith in Jesus, what He did on the cross, pleases God exuberantly. And if we have faith in Jesus, then God has pleasure with us on the basis of what Jesus has done, not what we do. That's why the scripture says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Everything is about what Jesus has done and we receiving it through Him to God which is amazing. Now now faith is believing that God is right now. Not that He was. It's that He is right now. No matter what we're facing today no matter the challenges that our work and our businesses, our families and our children, our finances, no matter what we face, that we need to face it from a perspective that God is and His reality and the faith in His reality is much greater than the world reality that we see right now. That is where our faith needs to be. And from this perspective, we're going to look at the series coming and we're going to look at hope and we're going to look at love that is the greatest of the three. See, our faith is made to last forever. God gave us each a measure of faith. The scripture says that. What are you doing with that measure? I look at people some days and I think, Yo, oh, he's got great faith. But he's got the same measure as me and you. He's just intentionally in growing that faith on a daily basis, reading his word, worshipping, prayer, sharing good news. And as he's doing that, his faith grows and grows, and grows, and grows. May our faith grow and mature on a daily basis through this pandemic, no matter what we face, may it grows in our lives like never before. Let's pray together. Hope this made sense to you. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.